It's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and good evening. It's Tuesday the 12th of December. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. And what a show I have coming up for you. Discover later how advances in technology are making traditional security services more rounded by augmenting rather than replacing those traditional services and practices that we're used to. You'll hear from Ireland's biggest security company on that. And again, fascinating story about how digitalisation is, is really helping drive that business forward. Also, you're going to hear from the owner of Kilminchy Schoolhouse. They've just been honoured with the Business All-Star Leash Entrepreneur of the Year Award by the All-Ireland Business Foundation. You can find out what that accolade means for them, how the early leader sector is currently trying to attract and retain exceptional individuals for, for their service too, because like many sectors, it is quite a challenge. So looking forward to talking to Sonia Duggan from Kilminchy Schoolhouse a bit, little bit later on on that. Also, this evening, I have a fascinating and a fabulous story of four inspirational people that I had the pleasure of meeting today. They're transition year students in Borough Community School and this year as part of their TY project they came up with a fabulous idea to help promote local businesses and to get that message of shopping local out there. You'll hear all about that in about 10 or 15 minutes time and um, it's definitely one to watch and one to keep an eye out for because to see what people can do when they put their heads together, they have an idea and they go about delivering upon that and delivering as well as these people have done. It's fascinating. Great story and coming up for you very, very shortly. If you want to be part of this evening's conversation, as always, you get me by text or WhatsApp on 083 103, powered, of course, by the home of Offaly's top-selling car brand. That's Lambert's Toyota on the Arden Road, Tullamore. But first, I'd say at this stage, majority of you have your Christmas trees up. And I'm going to make another guess and say that those of you who have trees up have probably either struggled with lights, discovered that Christmas lights aren't working and gone maybe and bought a new set. What did you do with the old set? Probably stuck them in a box, put them back up in the attic and say, I'll deal with them some other time. That apparently is what many, many people are doing. Did you know, though, that those very Christmas lights, the ones that aren't working anymore, could actually make some money for a Midlands charity? Well, to find out how that can happen, I'm delighted to be joined by Joanne Burke from KMK Metals Recycling. They have, of course, operations in Tullamore and Kilbegan. Very good evening, Joanne. Hi, Ronan. Thanks for having me on. Joanne, you recycle how much of Ireland's e-waste on an annual basis? So it's up now over 80% of all the e-waste collected in Ireland. It comes here and it's processed in Tullamore and in Kilbegan. So between the two sites. That's a, a huge number. So I assume that number, as in the actual tonnage of waste, is still growing year on year. Yeah. Yes, huge. And I don't ask me for exact tons. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know last year, actually, I think Max was on, um, you were talking about like you'd hit a new record I think, yeah. for the weekly intake. Uh, too. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, of course. And yeah. But yet I think a lot of us are guilty of hoarding electrical equipment that doesn't work. So sticking in boxes like Christmas lights, leaving it in sheds or wherever else. Um, is that is that true? Like if people That's were to start scouring their houses and garages, like probably that number will shoot up. Yeah, that's the idea behind this campaign. So it was set up in 2015. We decided we wanted to tackle this and just start locally, try and encourage people to go into their attics, dig, dig out all the old lights that they have. Like some people have balls of, you know, cable and it's all it's all congealed and whatever. And it's been sitting up there gathering dust for years. And, you know, we just think this is a little bit of encouragement just to get started, go and get it. So we started off with just the bridge centre in Tullamore. And we encouraged people to bring in their lights there. And at that time, we donated money for every set of lights to the chamber for the actual lights for the town. It was sort of a a good synergy there, lights and lights. 
But as time went on, then we introduced um, introduced to more shopping centres. So now it's in Harbour Place Shopping Centre in Mullingar and Golden Island in Athlone. And we've uh, decided to, the last few years now, probably the last four or five years, we for every set of lights recycled, we donate to the Midland Simon community. We just felt that was a really, really worthwhile charity. Now, we still give our money to the chamber, don't worry, for the lights for Christmas and everything. But it was just really, really nice to people really got behind it when we introduced it for a charity that means a lot to people. And they really are crying out for help. Absolutely. And I think the Christmas lights is something that most people definitely have experience of, of them and, and not working. And as we said, we're throwing them in a box and not doing anything with them. How much of the lights can be recycled? So literally, like all parts of it, all parts of lights, like all parts of e-waste, everything can be recycled. So what we do is we'll get them in, they're processed in Tullamore, so they'll be cleaned down, uh, decontaminated, if there's any contamination there, we'll just get them ready, straighten them out, ship them off to a compliant um, third party like outlet that we have. Um, so I think most of the lights end up in Belgium. Uh, so we'd send them over there and then they're stripped down, broken apart and all the plastics are recycled. What they're really after, a critical raw material within the cable is copper. So that'll be stripped away and, you know, it's all specialised specialized treatment in these centres. So to make sure that we're getting that back. It's like with all, with all e-waste, what it's all about is getting these critical raw materials and getting them back into the circular economy, getting them moving, getting them in use again. Uh, so even then the, the LED bulbs, everything will be, will be used. And they're all non, non-hazardous, so, you know, it's, it's a good... Most lights now that we get in will be LED lights. Um, yeah, that's fascinating to know that pretty much all the aspects can be can be recirculated and reused again yeah. within, within industry. I think many people may not be acutely aware of that. They probably think it is just those, maybe the cabling or the actual electrical components. But that whole thing, I mean, a lot of your business really is around you know, taking out those precious elements that are, you know, in short supply. I mean, and as we see a lot of, you know, tech devices is, are becoming so popular now, even EVs as well. This idea of precious yes. metals, precious elements is, it's really going to be a huge focus for society as we move forward. Yeah, and people need to be aware of it. And I think, you know, people can feel very overwhelmed, like they're aware of climate change, they're aware of environmental issues, but if you feel like, oh, what can I do? But, you know, you can start small. You can, you know, start off doing your Christmas lights, then look around your house, do a big clear out of toys. Toys are huge. Like the Wee Forum around International E-Waste Day, they released some figures and it was shocking. Like the, they reckon in Ireland there's around 25 million like small toys, USBs, all gaming, all these little small devices hidden. So for every 10 devices or small electrical, um, whatever devices, I suppose, um, all the pieces sold last year, only four came back in through authorised recycling centres and came back into us basically or to other recyclers. So there's a lot, the 60% there somewhere in people's attics. They're, I think they're in my house actually, yeah. But you know what, <laughs> my actual husband, who is general manager of KMK Metals Recycling, Max, I found his secret drawer recently and there was two phones, there was about four chargers, <laughs> so we're all guilty and he's like, I'd forgotten about them or I thought I might be able to fix that. And like, that's great if you can fix something. We're all about that too. Reuse it. But if it can't, it shouldn't be sitting there. It's just a waste of resources. Yes, and as well as a waste of the resources too, there's there's obviously environmental issues with some electrical components too. Like if there's lithium batteries or if there's certain, like even you know, even smoke alarms can be quite yeah. hazardous if not dealt with appropriately. Well, like lithium, it's in so many. It's like it's seen as, you know, the product or the, the the thing now, it's in so many products and it's brilliant, it's great, but it's also very volatile. So if people, they also need to be educated on 
you know, the dangers of throwing that into the rubbish bin, for, for example, or leaving it around your house even. Like, why leave that around your house when you can, you know, it needs to be stored correctly, it needs to be treated correctly. And our staff, like, we're constantly retraining our staff because of those dangers and trying to get that message out. Because, like, fires are a huge problem in the UK, here, everywhere. Like, it's, you know, it's something everyone needs to be aware of. Do you find Christmas, is it a period where the number of waste coming, the, the amount of waste coming back begins to increase or do people kind of hold off until that traditional spring clean? Like, do you notice, is that a time of year where you know, the it's, amount of trucks coming in just... It's a bit of both. Like, things will probably quieten down at the moment, right, right this this week, next week. But, yeah, January will be big, big, busy, busy, busy for a few months then. You know, um, we're but we're always busy. People are good at recycling, but there's just there's more that can be done, you know. Yeah. And certainly if there's if there's that many millions of little devices knocking around houses and garages around, certainly there's a lot more people can do. But of course, when you mentioned January, actually, these 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 boxes where people can return those lights in the shopping centres, they're going to be in place until the end of January, too. Yes. So it's not just a pre-Christmas thing. No, because then it's when you're taking them down, you might realise they're not working. Like you can try, you can see, can you fix them? That's the ideal thing. But often they just can't be fixed. So it's best to recycle them. Don't put them back up because next year, you know, you're just going to buy new ones then and forget about them. So what we're just encouraging people to do is dig in, search your attic, search wherever you put these things and bring them into us. You can bring them into those three shopping centres or if it's handier for you, you can just drop them into your local recycling centre. All e-waste can be recycled free of charge in your um, in all the electrical retailers. So it's very simple to do and, you know, you can start small and make a real difference then. Absolutely. I think that's a key message for people is just start small, you know, every small step house, because not only are you putting, you know, potentially valuable materials back into the supply chain, but also this can raise money for a, a great local charity, too. And uh, Joanne, thanks a million for coming in this evening. Um, I brought you in a set of lights for you to bring home with you if you want. Uh, you can go and you can start. I should small make you well. drop them down to the bridge centre. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. Don't worry. I'll make I'll drop them into the bridge centre. Um, no, no but thanks for coming in as well. It's a fantastic thing. And uh, all the best to everyone in KMK, because uh, next year you celebrate 45 years in business. Yeah, so great achievement. Years. So. Yeah. Another big party for that. Yes, we'll invite you. Joanne, thanks a million. <laughs> thanks, Ronan. Joanne Burke is uh, Head of HR and Communications at uh, KMK Metals uh, based in Tullamore and Kilbegan. So, those old Christmas lights, put them in a bag, bring them to your local shopping centre, put them in that big box uh, and you'll do so much good, not just for the industry and for recycling and for the planet, but also raise some money for Midland Simon Community too. Uh, time now for a short break. After that, you're going to meet those young TY students future entrepreneurs I believe as well who have come up with a great really innovative project in order to promote local businesses in the run up to Christmas that's coming up after this quick break Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business the community and most importantly education and particularly our school kids and secondary school kids and um I want to introduce you to a fantastic group of people who are the leaders of, quite frankly, an amazing project. And it was really about getting the community and the school kind of creating links, forging links and seeing how both the community and the school could help each other. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Molly O'Mara, to Shanna Hogan, to Eleanor O'Mara and also to Lauren Ayres. And they're from St. Brendan's Community School in Burr. So as Molly, to begin, tell us a little bit about St. Brendan's. Well, our school is a large co-educational school in Burr County Offaly. And we have a large catchment of primary schools from South Offaly and North Tipperary. We're lucky that our school offers loads of opportunities for us in physical, social, cultural and moral development. And that's promoted through the rich variety of extracurricular activities. 
Fantastic. Lauren, I suppose part of this project was that link with the community. And over the last number of years, the school has forged great links with your local community. Give us a quick example of some of those things. Um, well, through the years, St. Brennan's Community School has always strived to build strong links with the local community, in particular the business community. These links have always been valued and nurtured. In the past, we've undertaken events to support the local community. For example, St. Vincent de Paul, nursing home residents, visits to local primary schools for our buddy programme, Christmas markets, Christmas window painting for the local community and other stuff like that. So Shanna, you're a TY student and this was part of a project brief that you were taking. Um, tell us about, as number one, the types of things that you do as TY students and also then take us to this project that you've created. One of our goals of our TY programme is to create links with the community and this is where our Shop Local Support Local initiative started. Why did you pick Shop Local Support Local? Well, in 2020, our TY finance class um, began talking about how the pandemic was creating negative impacts on the on businesses in our local community. So in an effort to further support our connections with our community, our teacher, Miss Sabrina Carroll, and her students came up with the concept of a shop local campaign. And this campaign aimed to raise awareness of the benefits of spending in your local area. And they created a video production and interviews with local business owners who asked their consumers to look local when they're shopping for products, services and experiences. Fantastic. And that's a message that we're hearing a lot again this year from our local enterprise office, from our local chambers of commerce and from all business organisations to really put that focus back on on shopping local too. Eleanor, tell us about how the project and the initiative has developed then since 2020 when that first kind of seeds for the idea were sown. Um, Under the guidance of our teacher, Miss Sabrina Carroll, this initiative has grown from strength to strength since 2020. This year, as well as creating a video interviewing the local businesses, we designed a website called www.shoppinginbird.com. This creates a greater base for the video production. Okay, so you designed a website, right? Now, anybody, and I know loads of business owners listening will know there can be quite a big challenge. There's a lot of work goes into designing a website. So who went and how did you go about creating the website and and also the videos and producing those fabulous videos that that are online? So our website was crea- was designed by Ericus Bacchus and our video design was created by Dara Hoyne. Both Ericus and Dara worked very hard and dedicated long hours to make sure that the website went live on December the 1st. This website gives business owners a platform to showcase their businesses as the website is widely shared on all our school's social media platforms. That's right. So it's a great idea. We're going to come up with a website. We're going to support local businesses. Then somebody's got to go and do that work and actually start putting videos together. So when you start approaching local businesses to see if they were interested, how did they react, Shanna? Well, our local businesses were so enthusiastic about getting involved in this year's project. And this was evident because there was over 40 local businesses represented in this year's campaign. And that's the most we've ever had since we've started in 2020. We were welcomed warmly into the businesses and we worked very hard to produce our video and create a business biography on the main website interface. I have to say, and I've, I've had a, a lot of looks at it over the last couple of days too, and I will say the number of businesses that I've discovered that I didn't realise were actually in Burr, um, I have to say, hands up, is, is phenomenal, and I didn't realise there were as many, and indeed as many local artisan and craft businesses, and indeed and, and many family businesses there too. So, like, Lauren, how is the initiative benefiting the community? What kind of feedback are you getting? Um, well, it's showing the local community about the huge range of goods that we have in, around our town, and how choosing to shop locally is a positive choice to make. How was the project, though? You're all standing in front of me and you're all smiling and laughing. Was it really easy, plain sailing? Like, what was the most enjoyable part of it? Or or were there parts of it that maybe were, were challenging? So, enjoyable bits, who's going to come in first? The programme had us working in groups to design and deliver the marketing campaign. And we looked at all the sectors of the community, like retail, technology, hair care, and etc. 
and we discovered like by spending and supporting locally we were cutting our carbon footprint and our transport costs and we seen how the local businesses are an integral part of every community and they make main streets vibrant and they offer local employment and they understand like the money that's generated within the local businesses gets reinvested into the towns and villages. Last year, year before, there was some research that suggested I think one euro spent locally brings about 10 euros back into the community. 40 businesses, you can just hazard a guess at how many jobs and sustainable jobs that's created in Borough. What was the toughest part of it? Well, we had to, stuff like the logistics and the timetabling, we had to facilitate all the business owners and fit them into our recording days. And they were very, they were very helpful. They helped us to fit them in. <laughs> and then you've all the editing and the, yeah. and the post-processing too, which is, which is a huge part of it. But again, congratulations to you. It's a huge achievement. Eleanor, what did the students, what did you gain from it most? Um, well, we gained experience in roles such as a business liaison officer, and we were directing, producing, editing, researching, timetabling, and lots of stuff like that. Absolutely, sounds like a busy period too. And how did the school community support the project? The IT teachers helped us with filming equipment and software. The art teachers helped us to design the advertising posters. And some of the local teachers that live near Burr helped us with their knowledge of the local businesses. And Shanna, what outcomes on the project surprised you the most? Well, we actually had so much positive feedback from our friends in school, as well as our our teachers, our principal, our parents, our neighbours, and of course the local businesses themselves. And we'd like to acknowledge and thank them because without their help, our initiative wouldn't have been as positive as it was. Well, I can only imagine that the thanks are are reciprocated and they go both ways too. Lauren, what happens next? You've created this amazing website. You've put a huge spotlight onto local business and board. What are you going to do with it next? Um, well, we hope it inspires like people around the local community to shop local this Christmas. And we hope we inspire other TY students to make a website like ours and encourage people in their community to shop local. Well, I think you've definitely done that. And I say, again, from me and from everybody listening, congratulations, a huge well done. I think undoubtedly you will inspire it. And uh, I say, you've achieved something that maybe many other groups have thought about doing over the years, but haven't actually got there. So to get it off the ground, to do what you've done and deliver such a fantastic website, well done. And we're looking forward to seeing what happens next. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. What an inspirational group of people showing what can be done when you've got an idea and you want to do something where you can give back to the community and what better thing to do at this time of year or any time of year than to drive business to your to those very businesses that are keeping our local communities vibrant. A quick kind of sample of what you can check out on their website shoppinginbird.com if you scroll down and you can actually meet many of the business owners. Have a quick listen. Hi, my name is Cal Barber from RJ Barber Jewelers in Burr. We are a long-established business in Burr, uh, four generations since 1890. Uh, we design and make our own jewellery in-store. We also um, have a wide selection of branded watches and gifts. Uh, this Christmas, I would encourage people to shop local and help and support your local community. RJ Barber and Sons are, as I said, a fourth generation jewellery maker in Burr. And again, they're just one of over 40 businesses featured on that website. So definitely worth a look, shoppinginbor.com. And absolute credit to everybody involved at St. Brendan's Community School in Burr. A big shout out, of course, to those four people who joined me today. Molly O'Mara, who was director on the project. Shanna Hogan, deputy director. Eleanor O'Mara as editor. And Lauren Ayres as researcher and local business liaison. Great project. 
and looking forward to seeing much, much more from the, from that team and indeed from the rest of the schools out there, you know, because uh, these girls have shown what can be done when you take an idea, you get working on it and you deliver in the way that they have. So hats off, well done and undoubtedly the businesses in Burr are going to benefit hugely from that. Time now for a quick break. After that, we're going to look at the security industry. I'll be speaking to somebody from one of Ireland's, from Ireland's actually largest security company and we'll look at how technology is not actually changing the way they're working. It's actually enhancing the way they deliver their service and rather than replacing the traditional services, it's actually augmenting them and making them even more effective at what they do. That's all coming up after this quick break. Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Still to come on this evening's show, you'll meet the founder of Kilminchi Schoolhouse and she was recently crowned as all, as Business All-Star Leash Entrepreneur of the Year for 2024 by the All-Ireland Business Foundation. Before that though, we're going to take shift our focus towards the security sector and Mangard Plus are a company you're probably familiar with from this show. They're Ireland's largest privately owned security company. Founded in 1996, they're a family-owned company and they've grown to become the leading provider of quality professional security service throughout the island. With over 1,300 employees at present and it, it, its service includes a provision of static guarding, mobile services, alarm response, key holding, vacant property inspections, event management, loan working protection and everything you kind of associate with security and guarding. And um, Such has been the rate of growth with the company too and in terms of even their, their, their pursuit of excellence they have a number of internationally recognised standards too. So to find out a bit more about them and, and to look and see how technology is, is really enhancing and, and the role it's playing in their business. I'm delighted to be joined by Jonathan Pym and Jonathan is Director of Technical Services with Mangard Plus. Uh, very good evening, Jonathan. Thanks, Ronan. And I couldn't beat that elevator pitch. That was excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> Not at all. I'll send you an invoice later. But Jonathan, when it comes to, like, I suppose, a lot of the services and that you provide, and I've kind of gone through some of them there, are, let's call them quite traditional services. Um, but obviously the way a company like Mangard, given the scale of growth that you're experiencing, the way you kind of deliver those services has, has probably changed a lot in the last couple of years. Can you give us some idea as to how that has changed? Yeah, definitely. There have been a lot of changes. As you said, we are a traditional security guarding company, and that's the core, our core business. But we've added on additional security services to enhance what we can offer to our clients. So we've got one of the only EN50518 accredited alarm receiving and monitoring centers. So that's the, that's the latest accreditation, uh, European accreditation. And a lot of other companies are going to have to follow this, um, along with the level of um, response that we can provide. We can provide a 32-county uh, response to alarm activations. But when we talk about where we've gone most recently, um, we have seen that there are ne- there is the need to enhance our guards. So our security team on a building, we need to help them to be more effective and to utilize the systems that they have in the building. And with the advance in technology, what we're trying to do now is that rather than making them reactive, we're trying to make them proactive so that when they see something, they can immediately respond rather than waiting for it to happen and then, and then try to deal with it. So technology has been uh, the introduction of CCTV, alarms, and now with the smartphone, we can drive all of that information to the smartphone held by the security guard. And that's really where the future is going to be, making the guards more more uh, effective on a building and uh, to deal with the security in a more effective way. 
And outside of that hardware, are you also looking at things like the data that can be gathered and even maybe artificial intelligence playing a role in, in almost trying to preempt maybe where there may be a security issue? Yeah, I, the, the whole use of AI is, is developing in our sector because what it tends to do, it, it can help you with trends. It can help you with every Tuesday night, this incident occurs in this particular area. And so the use of, of analytics and particularly then analytics with the security systems that we, that we use, it definitely helps us. And in one way, it's, um, it's teaching us what to look out for and help us. Definitely, artificial intelligence is important in our sector, so much so that a lot of the equipment we would use, they have a learning capability. So they'll be able to... Uh, discard something that we know is just the normal tree moving and it moves more to uh, concentrating on a person or a vehicle or something that's abnormal in our picture. And of course, for a company like yourselves with the footprint you have across Ireland, you can probably gather data from multiple sites then, comparative data as well, you know, without obviously disclosing where you are, what you're doing. And that in turn can probably help enhance those systems that could be AI driven. So it's probably quite an exciting time to be looking at the tech side of it. It is. It's really interesting and it's always evolving and always changing. So much so that we, we have partnered or we one of one of the five partners that Motorola, Motorola are traditionally known for radios, but they've got the highest, uh, uh, sorry, the top end CCTV, um, access control systems. They're driving everything with a telephone. So the move away from physical devices, um, as in an access card or a fob, their move now is towards uh, telephones. Uh, Everyone keeps their telephone with them. You won't forget to leave your telephone at home where you might forget your wallet or you might forget your access card but people will always have their telephone so a lot of the systems now are moving towards the use of a telephone because you have um, your own biometrics with it to protect it from being used by somebody else and it's easier to actually attach it to you as an individual and rather than a card which can be found and used to get into a building. And in terms of kind of, you know, I suppose, informing your strategy and, and looking at the various digital and tech options out there, was that primarily driven by an increase in security incidents? Is it more to look at, at maybe reducing the cost or giving the customers a, a, a better and more cost-effective solution? What were the primary drivers of, of looking this way? The last thing you said, giving, giving our customers a, a, a better and more cost-effective option because unfortunately the, the cost of people is ever-increasing. Now, they are a key part of our business and our frontline staff are the people that earn us money. Uh, but when you have that overhead in, a, in, a, in an office environment or in a building environment where traditionally security is looked on as a negative cost, we have to try and change that perception. So we're trying to change the perception of security being a negative cost to a positive. So what we're doing now is saying, okay, let's look at your building. For the last 15 years, you've already had one security person there 24 hours a day. So then we will turn around and say, well, look, we might, you need them there Monday to Friday because they, they're the meet and greet, they're the front of house for your, for your business. But maybe at night or at weekends, we can lock up the building, set the alarm, have CCTV with motion detection analytics. We can do a patrol 
So we can, rather than just, this is the way we've done it for the last 15 years, let's look at it in a different way. And the way we would approach it is saying that you could possibly save 80,000 a year by putting in a new CCTV, an access control, and an alarm system as against having a, a, a person there. Now, I don't want to be putting down our, our people because we are a people business and they're really important to us. And we have a lot of long-standing uh, employees within the company. Most recently, we did 20-year and 25-year awards. So uh, it, it's really important that we work with our security team. They have the knowledge, and then they will advise us, okay, you could do alarms here or CCTV, and that will help us. And then that helps our customers as well because we're reducing cost and we're making it more effective. Yeah, and and as always, again, in any in any efficiently run business, like you know, getting that that feedback from people at the front end or the customer facing as well is kind of invaluable too, and, and helps you develop that service. But does that in turn present a challenge? Like if you're, you know, in terms of upskilling staff or bringing new staff into the business, now I'm where you are running a currently an, an apprenticeship program for security engineers, and and that obviously is to bring people in to to have them ready for this kind of new. I suppose security kind of in security uh, 4.0 like to have them ready for what the future of, of security and guarding is yeah we have we have three uh, apprentices in in train nether they've almost completed their uh, full apprenticeship we've one who's just uh, about to go into his final um term and then two others that will start them in the new year and they'll be in, into their um second last term before before uh, becoming fully fledged engineers so yes there's there, there's great opportunity in this and it, it's really important that we want to encourage this but we also as part of it we don't just stop there so we would have people that have recently joined the company and we're encouraging them to do training on different systems because they're continuously evolving so we would put set time aside for them to be able to do training by themselves because so much stuff is online now uh, covid has driven a lot of things onto uh, youtube or onto zoom or onto teams so a lot of, a lot of the training is online but also then there will be attending courses and we invite specialists in from the industry who want to show us the latest advances so if we make our engineers who are our frontline uh, staff aware of where is the latest technology they're not reliant on something that they might have learned four or five years ago and we do exactly the same with our security teams a lot of the companies that we're working with we would say we have programs in place for training the security because initially when you do your license you have to do a level of training and then there's refresher training but we want to upskill them as well so that's a there's always the possibility for continuous improvement and learning within our business. And do you see many opportunities for apprenticeships within Mangard Plus? Because I know today the annual feeder report for, for schools feeding into our, our level education uh, facilities was, was announced, you know, and it seems to be this kind of metric that some people put a lot of value in, some people actually don't like it at all. Do you, do you find, is there a challenge getting people into the security industry? And is that because they see it as very traditional and maybe they're not open or aware of the opportunities that, that it does present for them? I think I think traditionally security may be seen as something that you do when you know when when either you've you've been through your career and you're looking for some alternative work, or um, that it may be something it's seen as a stopgap. But we have many people who have made it their career, and we start now by by 
talking to younger people and outlining these are the opportunities, these are the uh, areas where you can advance. And we support it so much so that we've got uh, people that are doing basic training, certified protection professionals, CPOI, which is a, 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 an ongoing training for security officers. We have members of our management team who are doing uh, diplomas, who are doing masters, and who are doing doctorates as well. And the company has been very generous by supporting this because we realized that, that you have to keep advancing and you have to keep advancing your team. And by helping them, uh, it, it's, it's a little bit of lock-in as well because if we're showing this level of support, there's a loyalty. It builds a level of loyalty, and we're really happy to do that. So I would suggest to a younger person, don't discount security as a career. It's often seen as just a stopgap. It can be a career, and there's lots of opportunities for advancement, whether it's as a security officer, to become a supervisor, to become a security manager, to become a contract manager. So there are lots of different levels. And if someone is driven enough that they want to do this, and there's, it's exciting too at times. There are opportunities out of Ireland uh, which will certainly give you the opportunity to see different environments and experiences uh, throughout the world. Absolutely. Well, I couldn't put it better myself. You started off by complimenting me on my elevator pitch. I think you've summed it up nicely there too. And I think that's a very... It's a very impertinent statement because it's reflective of a lot of sectors that what you're what you previously thought about them is probably very different now with the onset of technology and the developments and the, the quality standards that are now out there within these sectors. But uh, Jonathan, it's an absolute pleasure talking to you. If people want to find out more, mangardplus.ie is the website. But Jonathan Pym, Director of Technical Services, thank you so much for that this evening. Thank you, Ronan. Um, there you go, shedding light on, on potential career opportunities within the security and, and guarding sector as well. I say, mangardplus.ie, great option to check out and, and find out more about the business and indeed the services that Jonathan has been speaking about there. Time now for a short break. After that, you're going to meet the person crowned Leash Entrepreneur of the Year in the All-Ireland Business Foundation All-Star Business Awards recently. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. The All-Ireland Business Foundation is an autonomous national accreditation body tasked with enterprise development and the promotion of best-in-class Irish businesses, many of whom are based around the Midlands. One of the most recent winners was Kilminchy Schoolhouse and its director, Sonia Sonia Duggan, has been honoured as the Business All-Star Leash Entrepreneur of the Year for 2024 by the AIBF. Sonia joins me on the line now. Sonia, congratulations on the award. Uh, A nice one to pick up as the year comes to an end. Oh, thank you so much. I'm quite humbled to receive the award, but uh, delighted at the same time for all our team. Yeah, these awards don't come without a, a hell of a lot of a hard work, I suppose. Give us a very quick introduction to Kilminchy Schoolhouse. Um, Kilminchy Schoolhouse, we're just, uh, we'll complete our 25th year at the end of August. Um, I'm, I suppose it's Montessori based with um, some Reggio and Steiner influences and for our school principles that we would have um, adopted and um, modelled as the years have gone on. So we do amend our model of care depending the needs of the service and just evolve um, from when I started would have been more Montessori but as the years went on then we I suppose I had an interest in other methodologies so we just sort of engaged in additional training where need be and try to incorporate elements of it because no one curriculum suits any one child so it's nice to be able to pull different attributes from different schemes 
and adapt it to our service as best we can. Um, so we're 20, nearly 25 years there. Um, we're not in a purpose-built facility. It's, it was an old house. At the time, there would be no purpose-built facilities in Portlaoise. And um, I just saw this beautiful old house and I thought, OK, it's not exactly what I want, but it'll do. And the idea is that we also have different activity rooms within our service. So the children aren't always stuck in the one room during the day. So they're able to, we can split groups or divide them up and they can rotate between different rooms throughout the day if they so require, because there's different elements and different resources in each room. So we cater from, you know, age one, primarily up to just school going age. And then sometimes we have some after schoolers, which I suppose the numbers have dropped um, laterally due to, I suppose, other services opening up within schools or franchises. So we can't compete with them. But at the same time, we're already busy with the age cohort um, that we already cater for. Yeah, you'd, so, you'd, wonder, um, you'd wonder if the, sort of the newfound flexibility kind of post-COVID for some people might maybe reduce the demand on after-school service. But I'm sure you're yeah, seeing a huge... That, de- no, I, that, definitely, that definitely did arise all right because I suppose more parents, um, they might have more flexi-time um, have a f- better balance maybe between work and home and then the requirements um, for full-time after-school care weren't required um, and also we definitely saw a lot of children maybe reducing days after COVID as parents were working from home and also it's expensive it's expensive to, for parents to start, try and juggle everything especially with a lot of inflationary costs so you have to have a balance but as the years have gone on I suppose we've had and as different schemes have been introduced um, by the department I suppose that basically um, doesn't give us the same remit and flexibility that we once would have had. So we do tend to prioritise maybe more full-time care and part-time care to meet the parents' needs. But again, as cycles change within our community and the demands, you know, we review that on an annual basis. Of course, my, my previous guest was speaking about uh, specifically the security sector and again, you know, the challenges they can sometimes face in, in attracting people in and your own sector too. There's been a lot of talk over the last number of years that it's hard to get people into the sector, you know, pull them maybe kind of graduates or, or even have to leave school to get in. Are you seeing those challenges or what are you doing in Kilmintia Schoolhouse to try and, and overcome we, that? Well, we have faced a lot of challenges as a sector on a whole. Um, the same with every sector. We have had employee employment challenges I suppose a lot of the graduates coming out, um, if they're degree level graduates, they're moving on then just to get the foot in the door. Um, and after a year or two or a bit longer, they're moving on into other areas that would be better paid. So and going back to education and doing primary teaching or play therapy or language speech and language therapy. So they're or into the department. So they're moving on to better paid roles that maybe would be, you know, wouldn't be as labour intensive. Um, because within the early year sector, it is in the full day care sector, you know, you're doing long days, 40 hour days plus sometimes it's 52 weeks a year. OK, you only get your month's holidays. So there would be a lot of burnout. And I suppose for the lack of respect we feel at times we're getting from the department, you know, the recognition isn't there um, for all the work and three or four years of college that you put in. And just the, the investment needs to be put into the sector by the department, not just token promises and token funding, although the department will say they're giving an awful lot of millions of funding and they're saying up to one billion. But we are still the lowest out of all our EU counterpart, counterparts. And, and we I mean, would need to get it five I, times that to it, be up to where it needs to be. 
Absolutely. And like it's, an, it's a service that the business community, anybody you know, looking at working or developing careers is, is pretty much fully dependent on. So what's going to have Absolutely. to happen to, for, for that change to come in, do you think? Um, well, certainly we need a lot more funding. Like um, Ireland, they say they, they invest about one billion. We need about five billion plus um, if they truly want a public led sector, which is what all the, the government parties are calling for. Um, like we spend one billion or they're saying we spend 1.2 billion next year. But at the same time, um, you know, maybe two, two and a half billion will be spent housing Ukrainians. And no, um, I don't mean that in any negative way, but we do need to be at a higher level of investment. Um, and we need to see that, you know, seeping down to the services so that we can give, you know, cheaper and more affordable childcare for our parents and our families and better conditions for our staff. But at the moment, a lot of the funding is, is gone on the layers of bureaucracy and an awful lot of the funding is earmarked for all the different schemes and parent subsidies which are taken off the fees. But with that, it just brings a lot more challenges and administrative overload and bureaucracy for all the services, which I suppose is taking the focus off the children and everything is all around about compliance and we need to get back to the rights of the child, children first, and, you know, supporting our staff and mentoring them adequately and giving them all, and their families, they need the support too, because we have such a huge array of families coming from lots of different backgrounds and um, cultural entities, and I suppose they all need support. And we are the first port of call, you know, for parents, because it's such, you know, public isn't always best, which is what the department wants, if they want to see public runs sector but we only have to look at a lot of our public services and to see where they are now and how there's you know huge over budget um spending and you know you don't you're not getting the services that you require be it in the health system be it in the education system be it in early intervention the services aren't there and you know a lot of money has been wasted and you have to ask the question where is that money going and i think you know public versus private it's all well and good but if you look at a private and you may be, not that we want to pit one service against the other, I suppose the private sector at the end of the day have more to lose. And we, I feel, are more invested in what we do because we need to make it work. Absolutely, and, you yeah. know, and I'm sorry, sorry and the time is time is taking on me there sorry, now, unfortunately. But um, yeah, no and that's it, like, and of course, all of that against the backdrop of you know we've a growing population, and I'm not just talking about immigration and, and housing, you know, refugees from Ukraine. Like Ireland's population is going to hit six million within the next 25 years, so like these problems are only going to escalate unless action is taken. But, uh, but for now, Sonia, please keep doing what you're doing, um, and congratulations on the recent award. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely follow up on this one again with you, Sonia. Thanks a million. Certainly. That's Sonia. That's Sonia. Uh, Sonia Duggan there of Clementia Schoolhouse in Port Leash. That is bringing me towards the end of this evening's show. And actually, that's a topic we can follow up on, on next week's show because I'll have a panel of uh, business people in the studio as we round off 2023, one of whom will be Regina Bushell of Groveland's Childcare. And Regina, I'm sure, will have a, a word to say on that whole sector as well and what needs to be done. So looking forward to that next week. Talk to you then. Joe Cooney's here after eight. Business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.